Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Kitchen Club is sponsored by Exhale Coffee, the first speciality coffee in the UK to be sourced and roasted for your health. We're extremely excited by this coffee and all the research into it, and it is overseen by Dr. Rupi, NHS medical doctor, and Alex Manos, functional health practitioner, showing that just one cup of Exhale Healthy Coffee has been tested to have the same antioxidant power as 12 punnets of blueberries, 55 oranges, or 1.2 kilograms of kale. Exhale's unique process is designed to lock in the natural plant chemicals and involves nine different tests at independent labs across Europe. Amazingly, it's free from any nasties that you might find in other coffees, including mycotoxins, pesticides, toxins, and heavy metals. Plus, if you're a decaf drinker, you'll be pleased to know that it's the same as the regular coffee, but it's been decaffeinated using the chemical-free mountain water process, which uses only the purest spring water and means the decaf coffee has just as many polyphenols. So if you'd like to try Exhale Coffee for yourself, you can use the code KITCHENCLUB, all in capital letters, for 40% off your first bag in a subscription, plus free delivery. So head to exhalecoffee.com to find out more and enjoy your coffee. And welcome back to Kitchen Club with me, Sarah Malcolm, and my brilliant friend, Serena Lau. Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from the kitchen table. Each week, we have a brilliant new guest, a new area of expertise to get stuck into, and a brand new recipe, which is created using our guest's three favorite ingredients. Today's guest is Alex Hyam, founder of Exhale Coffee, the first coffee company in the UK to be sourced and roasted for your health. Exhale has big ambitions to promote health, sustainability and fairness in the coffee supply chain. In this episode, we chat to Alex all about what to look out for when choosing your coffee, the difference between decaf and caffeinated coffee and coffee enemas. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's actually such a great chat. So if you are a coffee drinker or not, 
then you're probably going to learn loads. If you are enjoying our podcast so far, I mean, I know the episode's just started, but we always appreciate if you can leave us a little review, a little subscribe, a little like. It really helps us to keep everything going on the pod. And if you want this week's recipe, then you can find it on our Instagram at Kitchen Club Podcast. So without further ado, let's dive in with Alex. Well, hello, Alex. Welcome to Kitchen Club. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's such a pleasure to have you on. And I know we were expecting Alex and other Alex with us. So this is actually way easier <laughs> to just say, hi, one Alex. So like for listeners, it's going to get wild. And to um, not navigate Zoom with four people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't for three. This time. I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> Shall we dive straight into your ingredients before we get on to talk all things coffee? Can you remember what your three health, uh, three healthy ingredients, three favorite? favorite ingredients you gave us were? <laughs> Good question. I think one of them was um, bone broth mm-hmm. and one was eggs and was one shiitake mushrooms by mm-hmm. any chance. Yeah. yeah. They are still my favorite ingredients. So, <laughs> Having had a chat with you just now about tummy things, I'm wondering if the bone broth makes more sense. Not, not more sense, but I like it makes sense to me now. Is, yeah. Is there any particular reason why you've chosen those three? No, exactly. So it's exactly that, that that reason. So I have a really dodgy stomach and bone broth is, is probably one of the most healing things for the gut lining. So I believe. So I, I brew my, I make myself a batch of it every week and that makes about seven portions. So that lasts me for a week. And I'm kind of running out of ideas of what to do with it. So I'd love some new ones. What do you normally do with it? Yeah. So I have around five or six different um mainly Asian um, pastes. So like a, a Thai green curry or a laksa paste or a Chinese black bean kind of paste. Um, so that kind of like a, what is it? I have a gochujang and miso, mm. pronounce that word. Um, so yeah, a few, it's kind of mainly Asian style that I've been doing. Delicious. Yum. I think that's my favourite, my like, no one's asking me this, but if I had to have like a go-to cooking cuisine, it would be all of everything you just said. <laughs> there's so many variation in Asia. Like this, you can never get bored of it, literally. Yeah. How do you make your bone broth as well, Alex? Do you, what do you, um, what bones do you use? So I use beef marrow bones, but my local butcher. And it's a 24-hour slow cooker recipe. And I, I basically add... Um, about a kilo and a half of bones, fill the slow cooker um, around two carrots, two sticks of celery, two onions, a load of herbs, mixed uh, different herbs from the garden and a couple of tablespoons of apple cider vinegar. And that's it for 24 hours. Yum. Wow. That sounds amazing. So we haven't made it with, we haven't made a recipe with bone broth because Serena is veggie. Which is why Um, I'm laughing as you describe your kilos of bones. You're probably like, uh. But we've done a recipe that you can do with bone broth. Perfect. So I've done veggie because I cooked it, but you can do whatever you want with it. I really wanted to do a ramen, but we did a noodle soup the other day and 
Sarah is the pro food stylist. I'm awful at taking food pictures. And Sarah wasn't here to cook this with me. And I was like, I can't take a picture that will look nice. It will be a bowl of slop. So we haven't done ramen, I'm afraid. We have made you a brown rice congee with shiitake mushrooms, egg on top, crispy onions and pickled radishes. Oh God, that sounds amazing. Wow. I definitely will be making that. Definitely. Conchie's meant to be a good one for your tum as well, I think. Do you remember we used to work with a girl called Elke who, whenever she had a bad tummy, would just eat congee for weeks on end? What is congee? It's, it sounds really gross, but it's quite nice. It's like slow-cooked, savoury rice. So it's like ricey, soupy porridge. Nice. But it's meant to have lots of medicinal healing properties for, I think, mainly for your tummy, but for a lot of, like, whenever you're ill, it's like... I don't want to say the wrong thing. It's somewhere in Asia where they eat it a lot when they're ill, I think. You know, out of interest, is vegetable broth um, also healing for the gut as uh, as bone broth is considered? I'm going to say I think not because it doesn't have the collagen. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah, I would assume that, but obviously neither of us are nutritionists or... Yeah. I don't know that much. That's my, that's my guess, though. I think it's the collagen and like the meaty bits that actually are good for your gut. So, I although, think- although saying that, whenever I have a bad, t- like when when I was younger and I had a bad bad stomach issues or just like had a bug, my mum would always just make me. Um, I'm I'm probably going to say this wrong, but she pronounces it bouillon. Yes, me too. Yeah, yeah, just like a cup, a mug of bouillon. So, I mean, it's obviously hydrating as well because you're basically just you know, your body's taking in salt and water pretty much. Um, But I always felt like that was really soothing for my stomach. Someone told me the other day they drink loads of that when they're hungover because it like replenishes all your salts. So maybe that's why as well, when you're ill, it's good because when you've been sick loads, like you need diorolites, you need the salts and the sugars and the... The Rehydration rehydration is key, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's your recipe, Alex. I hope you'll love it. I'm sure we will. Thank you. Sounds like my <laughs> definitely. definitely. Um, well, let's get on into. I mean, we could talk about stomach all day, and actually, probably will. Um, but why you're here, and what this episode is about, and all about coffee, which I'm so thrilled to have you on because um, obviously we've been chatting to you for a few years, and I've kind of been following Exhale's journey, which has been seemingly triumphant which is amazing um so we're gonna start with kind of exhale and the bold the boldness of calling it healthy coffee um ridiculously healthy coffee actually (laughs) and probably as a nation we have been pushed into the mindset that coffee isn't actually that good for you and we should be limiting things and yes so can you first First, to kick us off by saying, um, what is unhealthy about regular coffee and how can we have healthy coffee? We'll start with that. Okay. So I guess, yeah, the, the kind of the challenge that we've had um, talking about the boldness of calling it healthy coffee is that most people think of coffee as a guilty treat. Most people are trying to cut back on coffee. They think of it as a guilty treat. And that's because historically coffee had got a really bad rep um, from the early studies into coffee. So it was around the 1950s, 1960s, the early research, the kind of observational studies looked at 
groups of people and they they looked at uh, relationships between groups of people and whether they were more likely to get certain types of diseases and and correlated that to whether or not they drank, smoked, um, drank coffee, whatever. Um, and because smokers were more likely to drink coffee, uh, coffee was lumped in with these bad behaviours um, and there was no adjustment made for these, what they call confounding variables. So coffee was kind of lumped in with all these other bad behaviours and I think even at one point they thought it uh, caused lung cancer, which is so ridiculous now, um, we know. Um, and then it was only in the last 15 years that the, the study started adjusting for all these uh, confounding variables and isolated the effects of coffee on its own. Um, and then it was around 2016 was a good good year for coffee when the World Health Organization reversed their previous stance on coffee. And they said it could actually, they previously thought coffee was a possible carcinogen. And they said, actually, it could help reduce the risk of five different types of cancer and it could be enjoyed as part of a healthy lifestyle. And that was the World Health Organization. And then in 2017, um, the British Medical Journal published this umbrella review into coffee, which looked at 218 meta-analyses of all of the studies and all of the research that had gone before into coffee and concluded, in their words, that coffee can be good for just about anything as long as you're not pregnant. Um, and they showed that drinking coffee is associated with a reduced risk of like some significant reductions in all sorts of different diseases and health outcomes, which we could go into. But basically, so that's general coffee. So that's any coffee, right? So these studies just look at any coffee. So then my kind of, as soon as I saw this study in 2017, I was like, right, coffee's got a potential to, you know, it's every, people don't realize it, you know, science is there. Um, but people, the general public don't know about this. So, right, how can I make the healthiest possible coffee? So I started researching what it is in coffee that can cause, is, is causing these health benefits. And then I started trying to find a coffee that's highest in all of these things. So I was kind of focusing on the good side of coffee. So maximizing all the, the benefits and the, the potential of coffee. Um, but also, yeah, there are some negative things that you can get in coffee as well. So it's on the both sides, but... What, what are those negative things? What should we be looking out for? Well, yeah, what should we be looking out for when we are buying our, our coffee? Um, like the good and the bad and the ugly. So on the good side, so there's a few compounds. Um, so we test our coffee for nine different things, right? So we run nine different tests. There's a lot, there's a lot that you can go into. And then we also optimize for lots of other different things through the roasting process that we don't even test for. Um, but broadly some of the best things in coffee like chlorogenic acid some of the diterpenes castor and carbol start in their highest concentration in the green unroasted bean then as you roast the coffee their concentration drops and as you get to a dark roasted coffee you can have lost 90% of this uh, chlorogenic acid um and if you see the shiny surface of a bean that's a lot of the castor and carbol leaving the bean so the first quickest easiest win is to avoid really dark roasted coffees and especially avoid coffees with a, a shiny surface because that's the oils leaving the bean, taking with it some of the healthy compounds. So, yeah, and and if you so as you roast the coffee around a, a medium roast, the, 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 these compounds drop slowly. Then around a medium to medium dark roast, they drop off a cliff. So we wanted to roast the coffee as far as you can, as close to that drop off point as possible, so you don't so it doesn't start free falling. 
So you're developing as much of the natural sweetness and deliciousness of the coffee, but not getting past that point of no return where you're going to lose a lot of the health benefits. So on the good side, that's what you should do. Aim for a kind of a lighter or more medium roasted coffee. Okay. And then on the bad side, um, so our coffee is organic certified. So, you know, you, that goes and ties in with the whole conversation on organic food, etc. It's, it's mm. definitely better for the environment. And then is it better for the person? Um, we test our coffee then for pesticides because coffee is the third most sprayed crop in the world for pest with pesticides behind tobacco and cotton. And tobacco and cotton you don't consume. So coffee is consume. So so we test our coffee to make sure there's no pesticides in it, right? Um but it is it is it is slightly debated how much of those pesticides end up in your final cup. Right. That's, uh, you know, there's, there's the government regulations that stipulate that it shouldn't be over a certain amount. And like for the general public, you shouldn't worry about that kind of thing. But then there's a lot of people who it does make a big difference to, you know. And then there's the mycotoxins as well. So um, there's a big movement towards mycotoxin free coffee. That's coffee that's got no molds or yeast in it or um, an aflatoxin, an aquatoxin. And we test for all of those things as well. Um, so make sure our coffee is free from them and then take a whole load of other measures as well to make sure none of it gets introduced into the coffee through transport in, in uh, these grain pro hermetically sealed sacks and all this kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, we basically just kind of right across the spectrum, just really do probably far too, far more than is necessary um, for everybody. But there's someone out there who cares about each one of those things. And it's really, really, if you care about it, you really care about it. And it's really important to you. So you want to keep yeah. everyone up. So the crux of it really is that it's not that exhale is because you kind of think ridiculously healthy coffee, that means you're adding something to it, but actually you're just stripping everything back and taking care of it. With So uh, that, yeah, exactly. So that whole kind of concept around, um, adding things to coffee and adding things to food is, is this new trend in the health and wellness sector that I'm kind of like, I'm going against basically because I, so coffee is seriously healthy to begin with. It's just that people badly process it and badly handle it. So it loses a lot of those, those health benefits and can introduce some, some negative things. And it's the same with most foods. You know, people, people if, if you work with what's inherently in that, uh, thing to begin with you don't need to add in whatever the latest superfood is or some medicinal mushrooms or adaptogenic herbs because it's already there you know like our coffee tested that to have the same antioxidants as 12 punnets of blueberries in one cup of coffee like you don't need to add anything to the coffee you just need to look after it well you just got to treat it right so, so yeah that's our stance basically um and the easiest way to conceptualize it is um coffee grows on a tree um, and the coffee seed, a coffee bean is actually a seed which grows inside a fruit. And the coffee fruit goes through every color of the rainbow as it ripens. You know, it's, it's just like any fruit, it's the most vibrant colored fruit that you've ever seen. You know? um, and, and our whole process, so everyone's told to eat the rainbow and more colorful foods are healthier, etc. So our whole process is designed to lock in more of that fruity goodness that's naturally in the coffee. Um, than anyone else, basically, and exclude any of the bad things. 
Love that. That's giving me such nice images in my mind. I guess it's like it's like whole foods, isn't it? Any food, by the time you've stripped it, processed it, made it into a loaf of bread or a soup or a biscuit or whatever, it's lost all of the good stuff that it had when it was on the tree. But actually, if you eat the original thing, most of the time it's pretty good for you. It's like chocolate. If you've ever eaten chocolate from a pod, the big yellow pods, it's the most delicious, sweet tasting, juicy fruit. And then suddenly through all the processing, it becomes this dark brown, bitter thing that you need to pump full of sugar just so people can palate it again. You know, so it's yeah, it's the same across all of the food industry. I feel like people are going to be so happy to hear that coffee is good for them because everyone, like, as you say, it's such a common idea that coffee's bad for you. You should reduce it. You shouldn't have too much. But for many people, it's their favorite time of day. For me, waking up and having my cup of coffee in the moment is my favorite time. And so to know that if you're choosing the right one, it's good for you is amazing. Definitely. And I'd say as well, kind of, just like anything else in our diet as well, like everything in moderation, it's like you wouldn't want to go out and eat 10 apples because you'd have some insane kind of like sugar spike or you, you wouldn't. So like drinking 10 cups of coffee back to back is going to cause you some issues, essentially. So the, the studies point to three to five cups a day being the optimum amount. They're not mugs this size, you know, they're kind of like 200 mil cups. So around about two small cafetiers of coffee is ideal to get the majority of the health benefits. So yeah, two small cafetiers of caffeinated coffee. Then I'll add in an extra decaf later in the day um, to, to get that extra boost of polyphenols and antioxidants and things. But yeah, I just going to say five time. cups. <laughs> I'm like shaking just thinking about it. <laughs> just before we move on, Alex, you did just you did touch on mold in coffee, and I just wanted to um, highlight that because I hadn't heard about molding coffee until I think great uh, the lovely Grace Kingsar who we always talk about continuously on every episode um until I think she had exhale and then said it's free from mold and obviously she's very big on mold um so can you just tell us a little bit about mold within coffee because it was really new to me in the last few years yeah so so basically coffee so there's, there's a few things at play here. So there's, the, there's the, the, the mold and the yeast which can get into coffee. And then there's the, the toxins that they excrete, the aflatoxin and the aquatoxin. So they're the kind of the, the four things that you can get in coffee, or the, the four things that we test for, basically. Um, and that's just naturally occurring. Yeah, the, those things are kind of naturally occurring in our environment. They're all around yeah. us. You know, they're everywhere. So you can't avoid these things. And again, there are government guidelines that say, you can't have over a certain amount in foods. Um, but there is an argument for just being sensible and trying to minimize the amount of these across your whole life, basically. And coffee, just like any other food or anything else in your life, can have them. Um, especially if you're buying coffee that's slightly older, like maybe supermarket coffee that's been roasted months before or, or even has been ground months before, like coffee does stale. Has no visible signs of staling, but it does stale, and you can start getting these mycotoxins and stuff and molds in it, and you can't see them. So it's not like a moldy um, uh, orange sitting in your fruit bowl that it's quite obvious that something's gone moldy. With coffee, it's a lot more difficult to know. Although you say that, Alex, and sometimes I, I think I've got in my own head, and when I've been somewhere where there's like just that um, like tin of um, what's it even called, like instant coffee or whatever and I look yeah. at it I'm like that is just a, a tin of mold <laughs> but there was so there's some studies and 
we're actually halfway through writing a blog on this that's um we're going to hopefully release it next week but there was one study which showed 45 percent of coffee brews from commercially available coffee beans contained aquatoxin 45 percent um and but roasting does reduce the levels of aflatoxins by around 50 percent. so kind of roasting coffee does reduce the levels a lot um because you're roasting coffee at 200 degrees celsius and then you're brewing it at close to 100 degrees celsius um but yeah there's just there's so many measures that you need to take like when we ship out all of our coffee comes from um, this mexican plantation we ship it over once a year on this shipping container and it's shipped in these hermetically sealed grain pro plastic liners, which are which keep out anything nasty. Then it's stored in a in a warehouse which is dimly lit and temperature controlled warehouse, so as not to introduce anything else in there. And it's kind of there's loads of different steps that we take to just to keep all of that out because it's it's not an issue for most people if you live a, a reasonable life, but then a lot of people already have quite a high burden in their lifestyle or quite a high body burden already. So you really need to be careful about these things. Um, and arguably I am one of those people. So that's kind of what, what led me my journey into coffee like this. Mm. Talking back about you again, then you mentioned earlier that you would have one cup of decaf at the end of the day. And I wondered what the difference is between decaf and normal coffee. Is it the coffee that's bad? Well, coffee that's bad for you is it the caffeine that's not good for you that people should be avoiding how do you get on drinking coffee with your tummy Mm. like that i know that's two kind of that's two questions together i'm getting over excited (laughs) can you tell us a little bit please about caffeine and decaffeinated coffee and then i'll ask you the other question (laughs) um so caffeine and decaf so caffeine is it's hard to say it's not good for you because in moderation and timed right, it is good for you. Um, and a lot of the research, so some of the associations between drinking coffee and disease reduction. Um, so going back to that British Medical Journal paper earlier this year, so there's some huge reduction. So around liver, so it's like 50% reduced risk of getting liver cancer, 65% reduced risk of chronic liver disease, 31% reduced risk of cirrhosis of the liver, like huge reductions. And they're certainly the ones around the liver, they're not as pronounced in decaf coffee. So for the real protective effects that coffee can exert over the liver, it seems that caffeinated coffee, really caffeine in the coffee magnifies it and maybe works synergistically with the other compounds in coffee. And it's the same with the cognitive effects as well. So coffee was associated with a reduced risk for Alzheimer's of 27% and Parkinson's of 36%. So some big numbers. But then with the decaf, it's normally not quite as big for those. However, across the board for everything else, decaf is right up there with caffeinated coffee. So the the kind of crowning moment, the the kind of the end of that, the conclusion of that study was looking at all-cause mortality, which is your risk of death from any cause they've added up the probability of everything and they worked out that if you drink coffee it's a 17 you have a 17 percent reduced risk of all-cause mortality and if you drink decaf it's also 17 percent so so there is a huge benefit to decaf as well and, and all-cause mortality level it's the same but actually there's some certain things on liver and brain health that it's not quite as as potent okay i'll do this more neatly now in that case when people say that coffee upsets their stomach, it does. Is that the 
coffee or the caffeine? And do you find that one is better than the other for your stomach problems? Um, I don't find that coffee has uh, an impact on my stomach. Um, I think there's a way of drinking coffee and they say if you... If you, if you are concerned about the impacts on your stomach, if you drink your coffee with food or after food and don't drink it on an empty stomach first thing in the morning, um, that's a way of kind of protecting your stomach. I know it can, I know, I'm not sure exactly why. Um, I think it can irritate the stomach lining or something if you are drink it on an empty stomach. Um, but every morning I start the day with um, a pint of water pint of water with some uh, rehydration uh, salts in it um, and a few other bits like L-glutamine and a few other things which kind of help get the stomach lining ready for my first morning coffee. Um, but yeah, as in terms of the difference between decaf and regular on stomachs, I'm not sure if there is a difference and I've never read that there is a difference. Um, and there is more recent research on coffee which has come out in the last, which you might have heard about on the uh, Doctor's Kitchen podcast where um, coffee uh, is associated with boosting the number of certain types of bacteria in the gut as well, like lactobacillus, I think, and the bifidobacteria. So that's that was Alex Manos's uh, speciality. But there is some links with coffee and improving gut health and your microbiota, basically. So amazing! I have two questions just on that. Um, have they just gone out of my head? <laughs> <laughs> We're a mess today. Oh my gosh, they actually have. But wait. Um, oh yeah Um, just speaking about drinking water or having food around your coffee I know um, the great Shona Virtue used to say a a big quote of hydrate before you caffeinate would you Mm. say that that's important to like does caffeine dehydrate you or is that just a way of making sure you're getting enough water Caffeine does dehydrate you, um, but if you drink caffeine in coffee, or if you have a coffee, then the, the water, they've now shown that the amount of water that you're having with that caffeine negates the dehydrating effects of the caffeine. So it's closer uh-huh. to the net kind of drink. So it's not going to rehydrate you, but it's not going to dehydrate you. However, if you drink uh, an espresso, so I actually always start the day with a double espresso. So I, I do a lot of running and uh, like, long distance running and every morning I, all of my runs are at the crack of dawn so I'll get up in the morning I'll have that pint of water and then I'll have a double espresso and go out for a run and uh, and I think if you're drinking that shorter of, of, of an amount of coffee in the double espresso it probably is dehydrating is my is my gut feeling um but yeah always I would always recommend starting the day with water anyway everyone should start yeah. the day with kind of, uh, so many traditional cultures around the world that have done it for centuries thousands of years and uh and yeah i think we're starting to learn now as well yeah i don't understand people who don't ha- don't like go to bed with water i think they are mad <laughs> i was about to say that i wake up so thirsty that i never have water because i have to <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's ahead. It kind of, yeah yeah and one more thing on this on this topic alex what is the process this might be a big old chat but what is the the process of decaffeinating coffee oh good question mm. i don't know that so, my mum yeah. my mum was like make sure you ask that one oh, 
So traditional decaffeination methods um, used chemicals, right? So decaf got a bit of a bad rep back in the day um, because they used chemicals. Some were pretty nasty ones like methylene chloride and formaldehyde is a byproduct of methylene chloride and um, ethyl acetate and some other kind of nasty chemicals. And then more recently, um, more recently, the Swiss water decaffeination method um, has kind of become quite popular um, as a water-based method. Um, Arkoff is decaf using the mountain water process, which is a, an even newer one, which also is water-based only. It uses no chemicals, and it uses only the purest spring water from the highest mountain in Mexico, the Pico de Orizal, <laughs> nothing else. And the beans are soaked in this, this pure water, um, and caffeine is water-soluble, and the caffeine dissolves out into the water, and the water is then filtered to remove the caffeine from it. Wow. So, yeah, and so we, so our decaf is the same as our regular coffee. So all of our, we only sell this one coffee, basically, and it's been decaffeinated using this mountain water process. Um, I love then, the decaf. I've been, I've been drinking it this morning. Thank Sounds you. like yeah, a spa yeah. treatment for the coffee beans. <laughs> I know, exactly. It sounds like an M&S kind of advert, doesn't it? <laughs> this is not just water. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the beauty of the mountain water process is that it also leaves in more of the polyphenols and the healthy compounds. So the, the other uh, methods can remove 16% on average of the, the leach out 16% of the healthy compounds. And the mountain water process removes 99.9% .9 of caffeine and leaves the polyphenols intact. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's cool. I am. Um, um, you have also mentioned already, Alex, the antioxidant properties within your coffee. Um, and as you said, yeah, like the same amount as what was it? A, a punnet of blueberries. Wow. And sorry Whoa. sorry <laughs> that's mad <laughs> so that was uh the last of our nine tests probably the favorite of my tests the kind of the, the first eight tests we did were kind of quite about about quite serious things like aflatoxin and, and molds and uh and chlorogenic acid and then i had all of this amazing data back but I spoke to someone who had quite a marketing mind and said, how are people going to understand this? They have no idea what 500 milligrams of, of polyphenols in a cup of coffee means. You know, you need to relate it to something. So that's where the idea for the antioxidant test came up. And it was kind of a bit of fun. Um, and I found an antioxidant lab down in Plymouth, totally independent to us, nothing to do with us. And Dr. Jan down there um, ran, uh, runs the lab and she invented this antioxidant test. And... Um, I sent down a bag of our coffee, I sent her a cafetiere, a hand grinder, poor Jan made a hand grind the coffee, um, and brewing instructions. And she brewed a cup of our coffee to our exact instructions and then went to a supermarket and bought a bag of blueberries, kale and oranges. And we got people on, on Instagram to vote on which ones we should kind of compare it to. Um, and she brewed all she she brewed all of these and tested them all for antioxidants and found one brewed cup of our coffee had the same as twelve punnets of blueberries or fifty five oranges or one point two kilos of kale in one cup of coffee. Bad. No, and the whole that's she gave us a full fifteen page independent lab report. It's published on our website. So, like, do you ever feeling really bored? Uh, brew yourself a stiff <laughs> coffee and have a read of that. <laughs> Can you imagine oh. munching through 1.2 kilos of kale? It's toxic. Oh. It would actually kill you. So. Wow. 
of uh, of too much of anything is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say before you said it, actually, Alex, like hearing the word antioxidants in this modern world is something that people can grab hold of and be like, that's why it's good for me because, you know, I've read it in magazines that I need, need that in my life or whatever. Um, is that the case then with, with all coffee? Does it contain high antioxidants? Probably not as much as, as yours, right? But yeah, exactly. So lot, all coffee will have antioxidants in, all coffee will have polyphenols and chlorogenic acid in just a very different um, proportions. So there's studies that look at, so the, the big thing in coffee that causes the antioxidant effects is chlorogenic acid and the polyphenols in coffee. Um, and there's a study which looks at the chlorogenic acid concentration in coffees, and it, and it tested, it was a 2014 study that tested 104 espressos bought in cafes in Italy, Spain, and Scotland. So they tested 104 espressos and found a 31 times difference between the highest and lowest concentration of chlorogenic acid in. so 31 times difference. So there's a huge variability yeah. and you really kind of have no idea what you're drinking basically so wow uh, and in terms of the antioxidants i guess that i'll say they kind of that was the the fun um and the antioxidants are really important well um we do produce antioxidants ourselves our bodies produce endogenous antioxidants um but coffee is about way more than just antioxidants. It has a huge uh, anti-inflammatory effect and neuroprotective impact and anti-angioedema and all these other effects as well. But they just aren't as easy to measure and aren't as comparable to blueberries, for example. So, you know, antioxidants are there, but it does all of these other wonderful things too. Maybe from there, we could talk a little bit about the cognitive effects because I work with a lot of people with anxiety and it interests me that the minute someone is feeling anxious, people often say, and I've stopped drinking coffee, but they also then say, but like, I still want help with my anxiety. And so I think we have this idea that coffee makes us very, very anxious. And I know some people see an improvement when they stop drinking it, but I then read on your website that exhale can actually be good for anxiety and you blew my mind a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> exactly so polyphenols uh, in general have um, a lot of research behind them and have been, have been shown to reduce they have anxiolytic effects they reduce anxiousness so polyphenols are really good for anxiousness but of course you get polyphenols in all different foods um what it is in coffee that causes some people to get anxious and jittery is the caffeine um and that's all down to your own genetic uh, individuality. There's two different genes which you have in your body which code for how you react to caffeine, basically, without going into that too much detail. Um, some people are fast metabolizers of caffeine, so they might feel jittery or anxious after drinking caffeine. But there are studies um, which show that polyphenols in coffee can counteract the effects of the caffeine and the anxiousness caused by the caffeine for a smoother effects of the caffeine. So our coffee is particularly high in polyphenols. So we're getting a lot of anecdotal evidence from customers, which which supports the studies which are already out there to show that high polyphenol coffee like ours, just people just aren't having that anxious jitteriness that you would get from normal coffees, you know. And it's kind of it's really good for those people, but also it's really proven really good for athletes and people exercising and people doing endurance sports. Like you don't. Some people don't want to have a cup of coffee before a long run because then you'll get the crash half an hour into a run. 
But with the high polyphenol coffee, you're not getting the crash. So you're getting a more sustained energy throughout the run or throughout the whatever your training is, you know, swim, cycle, whatever you're doing, you know. So, so yeah, so there you go. So yeah, it's really, the feedback's quite amazing actually. Yeah, just look on our, um, our trust pilot and just search anxiousness or jitteriness to see the number of views that are talking about it. That's super cool because... Yeah, a lot of people really love their morning cup of coffee, but if it makes them anxious, it's not worth it. So either to try a good quality coffee like yours that then balances out the caffeine high, or if not, trying decaf and then you'll be getting the polyphenols, which help with anxiety, but without the caffeine. Exactly. Or you could even try a half cup, you know. So we have um, quite often in the afternoon in our house, we... Because our decaf and our regulars, the same coffee, they work really well together. So we'll mix half of each in a cafetiere and we call it a half calf. So, yeah, because I'm a slow metabolizer of caffeine. So if I drink after lunch, it keeps me up all night. So I can drink whatever I want in the morning. They get no jitteriness or anxiousness. And then in the afternoon, I'm screwed. So I, I can often switch to half calf in the afternoon. I've never thought idea. of doing that. That is a good idea. Mm. <laughs> it only um, works coffees complement each other and it's and it's basically the same coffee so they taste very similar really yeah that makes sense alex i don't know if i've made this up now i just kind of um got the wrong end of the stick when i was listening to you guys on rupee's podcast um and i was on the plane and there was lots of children around me so you know i might have made all this up but did i hear you mention that the there's actually, maybe I shouldn't even start going into this because I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but basically drinking coffee does add a little bit of stress to your body and then our body is better dealing with stre- stress. Let me guess. Um, Have I made that yeah. up? Yeah, no, 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 that is true. That is true. It's the homi- the hormetic response, hormesis. So you're familiar with like hormesis and that whole concept around... Um, so basically, hormesis is the the theory that anything so so exposure to a little bit of something that's bad for you, um, just a little small amount of it, will then make you stronger and more able to deal with that in future. Yeah. So it's the same with any stress, and and it's the same with exercise. So you kind of you have a, a response to the exercise you're doing, the gym that you're lifting heavy weights. You have a, your body initially the muscles break down. You have a, it stresses your body but then they repair stronger and you come back stronger. So coffee and caffeine is similar and that's where, why you kind of build up a tolerance to it and you get more resistant to it. And, and I think that's how, I think that's what, in the Rupi conversation, I think that's where, where Alex and Rupi were talking about how actually antioxidants in general work, or at least in coffee, how they actually have a, an effect, an oxidant effect on the body, which then, I, 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 I can't explain it very well. I think Alex probably would, uh, or Rupert would explain it better than me, but there is definitely some kind of hormetic response going on in coffee. Um, and I think it's to do with the antioxidants, yeah. Right. This is like cold water that we talked about before yeah. we started recording, right? I think that's why people love cold water because the little bit of stress actually then makes your body stronger, more adaptable, boosts your immune system and all of that malarkey. Exactly. It's just it's everything. Same vibe. Life. I mean, there's, there's even rumors of kind of like spies taking small amounts of kind of cyanide and these things so that oh they my can God. Kind of like get poisoned. Rasputin did that, didn't he? Rasputin. I had that That's on a like podcast. That's like a vaccine against poison. <laughs> yeah. I think it works. Like I've got a friend who is allergic to nuts and like properly allergic to peanuts, you know, 
and her and it's been going on for all of her life. And the doctor, her doctor, most recently suggested um, that she tries little bits of peanuts and tries to build up her tolerance to it. And actually, sorry, I'm probably anyone who's listening who's is allergic to peanuts, don't, don't go out. Try. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> um, but but yeah anyway there's definitely um there's definitely a lot of science behind homeosis now yeah and in that case is it better for us to drink coffee daily rather than like every now and then have a cup of coffee to build um, up that, that like that kind of tolerance to it no i wouldn't i wouldn't say that necessarily okay. there's there's a big thing around a caffeine reset that people like to advocate. I know Rupert did one through January. He didn't have any caffeine. So there are arguments for having, say, a week off every month, a week off caffeine a month. So say if people want to have the, the real healthiest, healthiest possible relationship with caffeine, um, then probably the best thing to do is have a, a reset of, of a week each month. And then they reckon after about a week, your kind of tolerance to caffeine and everything is reset and your body, um, yeah, your body kind of starts on square one uh, the next month. Um, but that's if you can go a week without caffeine. I know personally with two little kids training for a 100 mile ultra and having just launched the business, there's no way I could go that long without caffeine. So. Oh, what cool, what cool life. Not for anyone who, uh, who can go for a week without it. <laughs> Before we get to your healthy habit, I've just thought of one more thing that I want to ask you. And this isn't great for anyone listening who's squeamish. Um, but I saw, I'm sorry, this is a bit personal. I saw on your Instagram about that you went for a coffee enema. Yeah, I did. And I'm wondering what you think of that. Is that a myth? Is that like a real goopy fad? Or was that good? No, it's, um, it's interesting. I had a full, so my stomach's so bad that I kind of, I will try anything now. And someone actually approached me, the lovely Sarah at Flourish Wellness Pod. I'll, I'll give her a plug. Um, she's so nice. <laughs> and said, do I want a coffee enema um, with XL coffee? And game for anything and use myself as a human guinea pig. I was like, yeah, go on, then I'll do it. So I had, but I had a full colonic first, which was like 50 minutes, which I like, I was so worried. I'd be like horrifically mortified and embarrassed about the whole thing. But actually it was just the most comfortable, relaxing. No, I felt like she made it feel so normal. And like, it was just chatting away. And the colonic was amazing. And then afterwards, the coffee enema is basically, you get like, it's like a cafetiere of coffee and then they put it inside you. And then you supposedly benefit from the antioxidant effects and stuff from the coffee, but your gut benefits from it, like from the other side. Um, so I know Alex Manos was a bit dubious about me going. Um, and I know there is some, if, if your stomach is really good already and you don't need it, don't, don't do anything to upset that delicate balance of, of your, your gut health. Like if it's working down there, just leave it, don't touch it. But if you're someone like me, then I would highly recommend it. There's a lot of research that it's kind of it's a funny one I had a, a chat with a guy yesterday who um on a, a podcast called Terminal to Triathlon and he's got this amazing story where he um was diagnosed with cancer he was given six months to live he claimed his own life insurance um and then rather than going the full-on kind of medical route he went over to America and he started having coffee enemas every day daily for about six months and he so he attributes part of his um, recovery now, and he's now tra- training for an Ironman, 
to that. That's one of the things that he did. So I think in like in certain health conditions, I think it is hugely beneficial. Like I think it really is. Um, but just don't do it if you don't really need it. You know? So yeah. the two takeaways from today, if you're allergic to peanuts, don't eat them. <laughs> and unless you have to, don't put exhale up your bum. <laughs> 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 well said <laughs> oh, no, it's dear. fascinating I've always wondered about things like that and that's really cool like what is that's, that's quite a weird experience isn't it to be able to do it with your own product I think that's awesome well no it was funny because when I turned up we traveled all the way from London to Wales and I turned up and she was like Sarah was like oh, I'm so sorry but I've realized that I can't use your coffee I didn't want to tell you because I thought you'd be really disappointed oh. I was like, oh, well, I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be more disappointed if you cancelled. Well, <laughs> I'd be kind of less disappointed if you cancelled. Um, but no, so we didn't use my coffee, unfortunately. So, uh, um, so we'll never know yeah, how good it is up your butt. <laughs> I was going to say it's quite funny because after that, I did. it was over Christmas and I did a few Instagram stories kind of running up to it saying I was going to do it. And then afterwards, I didn't close off on it. I didn't say how it went. I've never had so many messages from people saying, we need closure. What happened? The coffee editor, what happened? Then I had to write a blog. So a few weeks ago, we published a blog on our website about it. And it's our most read blog. Like we've got so much like really good coffee content and all this stuff, but it's the coffee enema one that's our most read blog, which is quite funny. <laughs> I'm that person who would pester you being like, where's the end of the story? I like, had meetings with people, like business meetings on Zoom. And so the first thing they'd say is, what happened with the coffee enema? And I was like, oh, I've got to that as well. It's everybody watching. <laughs> no privacy, you poor thing. <laughs> You're basically Gwyneth Paltrow now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> 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 oh my god amazing um can you remember what your healthy habit was that you gave us we've got a list of them and i actually can't remember which was yours and which was alex manos's i'm afraid um i, I remind I, you what they were I know alex gave quite a long list um i think i just gave one um, okay i know which is yours then Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. So going back to the anxiousness point. Yeah. So it's if I so this is a something that I've done for decades. I've always done is uh, if I ever feel nervous or anxious going into anything, um, like going into a job interview or going into a podcast. Um, in my uh, when I did my first few ones, I take three slow deep breaths, and it seems just really slow deep breaths before going into it, and it just seems to calm my heart and just relax everything. And there's probably some physiological reason for that. I have no idea what it is. But I don't know, and I don't know how I learned it, but I've been doing it since like my teens. And it's just three long, slow, deep breaths, and it just eases the anxiousness. And then I go into the interview or whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah. It's um I think I think what it what it is, Serena, you probably know also more, is um it shifts you into your parasympathetic nervous system rather than your sympathetic. So you go from your like run, um, running away state into your relaxed state so and that's the power of the breath and 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 yeah how the breath can affect our, our nervous system and our and what we learned last week on our vagus nerve your inhale uh, stimulates the sympathetic nervous system the fight or flight fight or flight and the exhale stimulates the parasympathetic so maybe those long long slow breaths maybe they're 
inhale needs to be slightly shorter and the exhale longer to get their full impact of that. Right, yeah. There you go, mm-hmm. Relaxation oh. response. Do you know another thing you can try, and for anyone listening, but don't do this if you're pregnant, a way to supercharge it is breathe in quite quickly and then hold your breath. And as you're holding your breath, imagine that you're squeezing all the muscles in your body. Imagine that you're clenching your jaw, scrunching up your shoulders, squeezing your fists, and then exhale and relax everything. And that's like a supercharge interesting okay i'll try that i'll try mm. that i mean it's a great healthy habit and, yeah, and something that. that that people can use absolutely whenever you know the breath is so incredibly powerful and it's right within us it's free you know it's this like instant switch um so i think it's a great one for for listeners as well kind of works with the same like power pose before anything um scary or when you've got nerves isn't it like stand powerfully and slow down your breath it's yeah totally. like it. it's just one of many many of the things that the best things that you can do for your life your health yourself are all the kind of free and easy things that just aren't as like sellable they're not as commercializable uh, by businesses so people have kind of forgotten about them it's just the simple stuff like walking barefoot or, or walking through the forest, spending more time in nature, spending more time with loved ones, having more social connectedness, all this kind of stuff is free, but you just can't sell it. So we've kind of forgotten about those things. And yeah. we'd rather go to like these kind of like balance festivals and spend loads of money on the latest UV therapy or the latest kind of supplements and stuff. But it same ties in with what we're doing with the coffee and how it's kind of, rather than just buying a shit quality, poor quality coffee and pumping it full of the latest super fad, trendy products it's just like just look after whatever's in that 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 food source originally what's naturally in it work with that and it's like health in general work with what you're naturally able to do what your natural surroundings are and what we're meant to be doing as as people really absolutely and also it's called exhale it's exhale so slow down that works so so the kind of um the, the the name actually the honest truth is that we are based in Tottenham Hale and we work on Hale Coffee. Um and then we someone said we had to change our name because there's already a Hale Coffee in Canada of all places. So then I thought it would be quite funny to call it Exhale, because we're no longer Hale. But then actually <laughs> Hale Exhale kind of fits really well because we're positioning it as like a an outdoorsy kind of active brand and there's a lot of kind of the whole yoga and meditation as well and breath work and then all of this kind of stuff is seems to be part of our brand um uh, even though it's not the product we're selling necessarily so it's it kind of fits really well basically and it's got half your name in it so <laughs> it's got half my personal name in it it's yeah, got all of my all of it in the room. oh yeah a-l-e-x my surname is Hayam, so h yeah. my first name so it's, it's it's basically an anagram of my name <laughs> that's cool that's, that's very cool <laughs> <laughs> oh alex it's been such a pleasure speaking to you and yeah thank you so much for enlightening us and now i'm just gonna happily drink i mean i was happily drinking it anyway but i'm gonna continue to do so oh thank you for having me on it's been uh yeah it's been a really fun podcast i'm yeah i'm really happy to speak in person finally after uh emailing and messaging and dming for so so long <laughs> i know yeah it's great to chat to you thanks alex thank bye. you bye 
Thank you so much, Alex. That was absolutely fascinating. It's really cool to learn so much about something that you do every day on autopilot without really thinking about it. Mm, I agree. I agree, Serena. And I also, I've said this so many times, like my healthy habit in the past on the pod has been sitting and drinking a cup of coffee. Um, so even like the ritual of it is is lovely to include in, in health, isn't it? Um, thank you all so much for listening. And yeah, thank you so much, Alex, for coming on. We were also supposed to be joined by Alex Manos, who works closely with Alex Hyam. Um, so gutted he couldn't join us, but glad we still got Alex. Anyway, if you'd like the recipe for today's episode, you can get it on our Instagram at Kitchen Club Podcast. It's Alex's congee with shiitake mushrooms and what, what else is that on, on it, Serena? An eggy. An egg and pickled crispy radish. onions, crispy onions and pickled radish. Mm, so delish. Um, so go grab that, and we'll leave all of Alex's details plus exhale deets in the show notes, plus a code for you all to use in the show notes. Um, so if you'd like to know more about them, then head there. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. See you. Bye. Bye.